if the rest of the service goes this way, <laughs> we're in for an ordeal. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Happy Reformation Sunday. We'll talk more about that later. Friends, we are called to worship God with our whole mind, body, and soul. So let us be called to worship now as we read responsively from the 119th Psalm. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your decrees are my meditation. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path.
out loud is unwelcomed because it makes whatever we're hiding or whatever we're denying so terrifyingly real. But there are more times when speaking something out loud and naming it diminishes its power over us. So now, my friends, let's come to confession and speak out loud together. God of our fathers and mothers, you raised up brave and able leaders to reform the church. We confess that we have lost our way again and need new reformation. We are content with easy religion, with too much comfort and too little charity. We cultivate indifference and neglect compassion. Lord, let your word shake us up and your spirit renew us so that we may repent, have better faith and never shrink from the duty and joy of building up your kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, the only Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. My friends, let us come together now in the words spoken from our heart. Hear us, O God, as we come to you in this perfect silence. Amen. Christ is the great liberator. The chains that bound us have fallen away and the prison doors have swung wide open. It's time to celebrate because, friends, I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. May the peace of Christ be with you. As we prepare to greet one another, we want to remind you that our fifth grade and younger are now excused to go to their Sunday school class and that our youth group is meeting even now. And if you're interested in the youth group, please go and they will let you know where that is as well. But now let's turn and greet each other with a good morning and God bless.
Friends, we are in that season of church life when activity begins to escalate as we are moving into what some call the holiday season. As always, we plan to produce an Advent devotional booklet, and if you would like to provide submissions for that booklet, you can consult with last uh, Wednesday's news and notes or go onto the church website or give us a call and we'll let you know how you can uh, make your submissions. We'll need those within the next couple of weeks as Advent is not too far away from us. Two weeks from today on November 12th, immediately following this worship service, we will stay here in the sanctuary uh, for a chat with Jack. That's me, I'm Jack. Um, <laughs> about the Middle East. Uh, Many of you have been asking questions. All of us, of course, have been praying and deeply grieved by what's going on there. So it's time for us to have a conversation in the life of the church about some of the history, some of what's happening there. Uh, We do plan to record that event and very likely also will live stream that event. If you cannot be here, you'll have access to it later on. Today we're celebrating All Saints Day and All Hallows Eve which is where the word Halloween comes from, uh, with our trunk or treat. So I see many of you are wearing your Halloween costumes today. That's a fantastic thing. (laughs) So after the service, all of the kids are going to gather out in the uh, parking lot next to the main playground area, and we'd encourage all of you to come out and see the beautiful displays and watch the kids go through their trunk or treat activity and collect a whole bunch of sweet, sugary, good kinds of stuff. This is the fifth Sunday of October. There are four months of the year where we have five Sundays, and it's our tradition every fifth Sunday to use the loose change in the offering plates for our deacon's fund. Our deacon's fund is used to support folks who need a little extra assistance uh, at different times of the year, and if you'd like to support that, simply throw some unmarked bills or change into the fund. If you would like to receive credit for that as far as the IRS goes, just write out your check for a million dollars and note on it, deacon's fund, and that also will go into the deacon's fund. Well, folks, we have Bibles back in the pew racks. Isn't that a great and exciting thing? Yay, absolutely. You still can uh, provide a dedication plate for the Bibles or the hymnals by visiting the visitor's table out on the patio. Uh, I would encourage that you uh, mark the pages now in the Bible. We've even given you the page numbers uh, for later on when we will be reading the scriptures uh, uh, together. And um, I would note for those of you in the front pews, reach under the seat, and that's where the hymnals and the Bibles are, okay? Just a word to the wise. So, Richard Moore is here to share with us a few words about stewardship. Richard, come up and share the good word. When Doug asked if I would speak about how our family has decided to participate in the stewardship campaigns over the past few years, uh, I, I came to two verses uh, in the in the scriptures, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In Joshua, and in Psalm, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. It's my strong desire to learn how to follow Jesus, how to follow His teachings, how to love as He loved, how to build community in the way that the stories are told that he built communities, communities based on love. 
It's my strong desire, we have four young children, to foster an environment for my children to not just learn about God, but to see others living it and to experience it, to grow up loving, to grow up learning to serve. And so when I thought about that and why we chose this church and why we, chose, why we choose to be part of stewardship, I thought about the programs. But as I began to write it out, what struck me most was the faces that came to mind. So what is we the church? It is Art Perry, as I sat in his uh, eye doctor chair saying, where do you live? And I told him, Los Galinas. He said, well, there's a church right down the street. You should come. It's Adrian Hohen, that first Sunday, who helped us with the kids when nursery wasn't quite open just yet during COVID. It eventually was Gretchen Suggs, Lynn Lloyd-Smith, Mary Proctor, and Jan Farley taking me to Oaxaca and showing me community and love and instilling in me a desire to take my children there one day. It's Bill and Susan, Don and Brenda doing Bible study right now. It's our early service. It's Barbara and the band. And if you, you know Barbara, our two-year-old, when she sings during the week, she strikes Barbara's pose as she's singing. It's that. It's Lori and Carolyn, Brad and Valerie, Deb and Stephanie as we study Kingdom Academy together. And I know that if there's something weighing on me, I can ask them to pray with me and to pray for me. It's Chris and JP, Paul, Jake, and Pastor Jack at Nick and G's on a Wednesday night having a drink, just talking about being a dad. It's Bob, Jan, Juan, Celeste, Peggy, and Leslie thinking about how we bring social righteousness into our living and into our church. It's new families being friends and becoming friends. It's building that community. And last, it's right now. It's Miss Mary loving my kids unconditionally in the nursery. That's why we participate in stewardship. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. I'd now like to invite the Dixon family forward for baptism. Jim and Francisca Dixon are here to present their son for the sacrament of baptism in the Church of Jesus Christ. And as always, when we come to this sacrament, we remember the words of Jesus, who said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. And so, obeying the word of Jesus and sure of his presence with us, we baptize those whom he calls to be his own. In Jesus Christ, God has promised to forgive our sins and has joined us together in the family of faith, which is his church. He has delivered us from darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. In Jesus Christ, God has promised to be our Father and to welcome us as sisters and brothers of Christ. And so, Jim and Francisca, in presenting your son for baptism, 
You announce your faith in Jesus Christ, and you show that you want your son to study him, know him, love him, and serve him as his chosen disciple. Now show your purpose by answering these questions. Who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ. Do you trust in him? Yes. Do you intend for your son to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? Yes. And to godparents Catherine and Abraham, as specially chosen godparents, do you promise to encourage Jim and Francisca with your wise counsel and your patient prayer, and to surround David with your joy and love as you also teach him the way of Jesus? Do you? Grandma? <laughs> Our Lord Jesus Christ ordered us to teach those who are baptized. Do you, the people of the village church, promise to tell David the good news of the gospel, to help him know all that Christ commands, and by your fellowship to strengthen his family ties with the household of God? Do you? We do. Let us pray. O oh God, we thank you for your faithfulness promised in this sacrament, and we thank you for the hope that we have in your Son, Jesus. As we baptize with water, baptize us with Holy Spirit, so that what we say may be your word, and what we do may be your work. By your power, may we be made one with Christ our Lord in common faith and purpose. Amen. What is your son's name? David Luke. Come here, buddy. Come with me. Remember, we practiced this. David, when you were here before and we came up to the baptismal font, I told you there would be water here, and here it is. This water reminds us of the fact that God's Spirit moved over the face of the waters to create the dry land as our home. We are told that God led the Hebrew slaves through the waters of the Red Sea so that they could be safe and find their promised land. It was in the waters of the Jordan River that Jesus himself was baptized. And so now we use this water as a reminder of the new life that God offers to us all. And so, David Luke, I baptize you in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come with me, buddy. David, you have been born into a loving family, a family that knows Jesus as Lord and Savior, a family that seeks to serve Him. You've been born into a larger family as well, the family of the church. All of these folks out here are now your brothers and sisters, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your grandmas and grandpas, your friends in Jesus Christ. We have all promised to be a community of faith here, a family like Richard Moore spoke of a few moments ago, a family in which fellowship and love you are going to learn about Jesus. We're going to be eager to watch you continue to grow in faith. We're going to be praying for your parents when you become a junior high kid. We're going, to be, we're going to be loving you and thinking of you and enjoying your fellowship in the life of the church. 
and looking forward to that time when you will continue to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your fellowship and your friendship that we experience in this sacrament. We thank you for families that love. We thank you especially for the Savior. We pray for David. We pray for Jim and Francisca and all who will come into their lives to support and encourage them. We pray all that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Good job. You may be seated. There is no better reminder of our opportunity and responsibility before God to be a church family so that others will know Christ. It is through our offering of ourselves and all that we have and all that we are that makes the church happen. So now the ushers will come and wait upon us as we present our tithes and offerings to God.
today, and there will never be another day like today. It's one and unique. And on this day, we've gathered to worship and gathered to be in community, and we've gathered to come before God together. So let's still our hearts and calm our spirits. Let's let all of those things that tug and nip and pull us apart, let them go and be centered in this moment. Let's come to God in prayer. Your lips, holy creator, spoke a word and all that wasn't came into being. Your lips, creating God, breathed life and, and set the brand new soul dancing. Your lips declared the word made flesh and in Christ we forevermore hear your tone, your compassion, your desire for our destiny woven together in the song of your will. As the living word, O oh God, we want more than simply to learn or study or use the scriptures. We want to digest them, to take it into our lives in such a way that it, it's transformed into acts of love and cups of cold water, missions into the world and healing and sharing and justice in Jesus' name, hands raised in adoration to you and feet washed in company with you and your disciples. Speak to us today, holy God, because we're discouraged and we're heartsick at the news of death and destruction in Israel and Gaza and the shaking turmoil of all the neighbors of those places. We pray that your voice of wisdom and peace might prevail this day. And we are a nation in grief with every flag half-mast. Once again, we are struck with the news that one person's anger, one person's pain, one person's hatred, and one person's despair has claimed the lives of so many. The Holy Scriptures, Lord, bear witness to your living voice, and you, and you call us out of darkness, out of our shells, out of our ignorance, out of our negligence, out of our arrogance, and out of our self-righteous fear. You call us personally and involve us personally. We are bound to all of creation and to all the created world, by the sinew of your language. Your divine language comforts and teaches and guides, and we hear it in the quiet and stillness of our devotion. But at the end of the day, your holy narrative, the stories of how you work your love into the history of our days, are not meant to simply be studied in the quiet, are they? Because that would be impossible. The very stones would cry out. Your holy word written and made flesh is meant to be believed and lived and loved and adored in the workplace and the playground, on the streets and in the kitchen. Loud and shining, commanding, a change agent of the heart and a rudder for the world. Oh God, let your precepts, your commandments, your counsel be the bedrock and foundation for our faithful intent in this world. Peace, joy, love, 
compassion, mercy, justice, trust. O God, let us hear. O God, let us share. O God, let us live you. These things we pray in the name of the one who taught us when praying to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
I invite you to open your pew Bibles to page three for a reading from the book of Genesis, starting with chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Please now turn to page 846 in the Old Testament for a reading from the 55th chapter of Isaiah, beginning at verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And on page 209 of the New Testament, we will find the reading from the letter to Romans at chapter 10, verse 11. The scripture says no one who believes in him will be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, but not all have obeyed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. The word of the Lord. We thought it fitting on this Reformation Sunday to bring our new Bibles into worship with us and to encourage you to find in the whole of the scriptures the 
brief individual selections that will be our focus today, it occurred to me that perhaps we need to have some sword drills in order to help you find those passages of Scripture. So let me ask, when I say the term sword drill, how many of you understand what I'm talking about? Okay, a good many of you. That's fantastic. You see, the word of the Lord is described as a sharp and two-edged sword that cuts to the truth. And in some Christian traditions, the Bible is called the sword of the Lord. A sword drill involves a leader standing in front of a group of folks who have their Bibles with them. That leader calls out a scripture passage, and the person who finds it first gets a prize. You practice. Now, never in any self-respecting sword drill would the page number be given. (laughs) You would simply need to memorize the order of the books of the Bible and practice turning to those passages. I'm not sure how much longer we're going to give you page numbers because it's helpful to know the 66 books of the Bible. Juan, maybe you can teach us the song that helps us remember all of that. That would be great. That would be great. We have placed in your pew racks as well today these beautiful new colorful bookmarks. For those of you who are a little rusty using your sword when you come into worship, you might look up the Scripture passages and mark them ahead of time using the bookmark. If you want to take it home, that's great. We'll put more out into the pews. We're focusing on the Word of God today because it is so important in the history and tradition of churches like ours, the Presbyterian Church. It was a byword of the reformers like Luther and Calvin and Knox that the church is meant to be reformed, to be always reforming according to the word of God. And so let's think about God's word as we think about all words. Words matter. Words matter because words are meant to speak the truth. And truth matters because truth is about living well. Where people do not understand the truth, life does not go so well. Consider the different meaning between these few couplets of words that I'm going to give you in a moment, and ponder the different life that results when we take words to heart. Here's two words for you, buy or sell. All the money managers in the church just giggled a touch, didn't you? (laughs) It makes a difference whether you buy or sell. Let's try another couplet, right or left. That's not a political statement, Dick. If you're told to go down the road and turn to the left and instead you turn to the right and go off a cliff, you've learned that words matter. What about these words, yes or no? 
How about these words? Hug or hit? How about free or captive? How about equal or superior and inferior? Here's some words I hadn't thought of in a long time that are maybe the most important. Love me or love me not. It is one of the fundamental principles of the organization and the thought and the focus of Presbyterian churches everywhere, principles that are stated in our Constitution, that truth is in order to goodness. What that means in today's language is that knowing the truth leads us to do the truth. When we do not know the truth, we do not know how to live. Words matter because words are about truth, and truth is about how we live. And so today, we focus in our worship on the Word that speaks the truth. We're in the midst of a fall series of sermons that are taking us through the different elements of our classic worship services because it is our conviction that this experience of worship is meant to inform us and infuse us and then inspire us with the truth so that we will live the rest of our lives in the rest of the week in the way that God would have us live. We focus in our worship on the Word of God. In every worship service we have, we include that word in several important ways, and we spend quite a lot of time with it. We read the Scriptures. If you're brand new to the Christian faith and have come to this church maybe once or twice, you might think that the Scriptures are a mere collection of brief sayings, and we select from a couple of them every week, and we read them. It might come as a shock to you that there are thousands of pages in a huge, long, complicated book, but now you have the book to remind you of the importance of those words, and we read them carefully. We prepare to read them, do we not, so that we read them well. And then after we've read the Scriptures, we have everybody's favorite part of the whole week, the sermon. (laughs) What's a sermon supposed to be about? Is a sermon supposed to entertain you and distract you from your sorry little lives? No. Is a sermon meant to give you some great stories that you can tell at work the next day and make everybody impressed with how much you know about the world? No. Is a sermon meant to be long and boring and complicated and you're meant to suffer through it and prove to God just how good a person you are because you've put in the pew time? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. 
A sermon is meant to explore the Scriptures and to explain the Scriptures and then to help us apply the Scriptures, the Word of God in our life. Now, the Word of God is not just in the Scripture and the sermon. The Word of God is throughout our worship. We begin with a call to worship that is usually taken from the Psalms, the Word of God. In our affirmation of faith, we speak the Word of God. What the choir sings so gorgeously today, by the way, is the Word of God. What we sing is the Word of God. What we embody in the sacraments is the Word of God. The heart of Christian worship, especially for we protesting Presbyterian Christians, is the Word of God. Whose word do you think matters the most in this world? We are bombarded with words all the time. But it is the word of God that matters the most to us. And so, at least once a week, we gather to, again, an old language, to sit under the word. And so let's go to the word. Let's learn about living the God-centered life through hearing the only one worth listening to. Let's think for a moment about Genesis. In the beginning, when God created, God said, and there was. Think about that. In the beginning, when God created, God said, and there was. In ancient Hebrew thought, a word is not merely an idea or a sound or a symbol. A word, especially a word from God, is an action. It makes something happen. That principle of who God is and what God did in speaking the creation into existence then infuses the rest of God's creation, especially our lives. Because the words that we believe are the words that make things happen in us and then through us. If you believe the truth and the beauty of words like justice and peace and love, then your life will become filled with such things. But if you believe in words like hate or oppression or violence, then your life will be filled with those things. And so in our worship, we hear good words, God's words, and we learn them and we learn to let them shape and form and motivate us to create the lives that God would have us live. In the book of the prophet Isaiah, 
God says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. This is arguably my very favorite scripture passage. Because what it says is that God's thoughts, God's being, God's actions in the world are different from ours. They sometimes are mysterious and unexplainable. Sometimes we look at the way God's world is working and we fall into the trap of thinking that our words, our thoughts, our ways surely are better than anything God has in mind because the world is messed up. Why doesn't God do something about it? And yet Isaiah reminds us that God is higher than we are. God is more than we are. God is in all, through all, for all. All is about God. And it is that God's word, that God's plan, that God's power that has its way in the world. When we are confused, when we are upset, when we are lost, when we are grieved, when we are trying to find our way, we come back to the word of this God who will have the last word about everything. Therefore, in our worship, we come always to the word of God. We learn those words, and we learn to let those words shape and form and motivate us. I have to believe that the Apostle Paul was thinking these truths that he had learned from the Word of God in his time when he said that faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the Word of Christ. You see, all we really have in Christian faith our words, words that belie truth, truth that we believe, truth from which we then seek to live. The kind of life that you live is a life that is informed by the kinds of words, the kinds of truths that you choose to make important and real and powerful in your own life. And there are no more important words than the words of Jesus Christ. That's what makes we Christians different from everybody else. We ultimately always finally observe and discern and judge all of life through the words of Jesus. And those words make a difference. Think of the things that Jesus said. Jesus said, you are forgiven, not condemned. Jesus says, you are infinitely valuable and worthy of life. You are not worthless. And because you are worthless, ending your life is of no concern. Jesus says we are made in God's image, not our own image or someone else's, some lesser version, but we are made in God's image. We are made for good, not for evil. We are made for eternal life, not a life that ends at death. We are made for abundant life of goodness and joy 
and power. It's up to you and me to learn these words and to speak and live these words so that others will come to know the Word of God that became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And so you and I choose to worship regularly. We choose to worship deeply. We choose in our worship to focus on the Word of God because we know that God's Word is powerful. God's Word is meaningful. God's Word may be beyond us sometimes, but it always is vital to us at all times. We do not settle for a childish understanding of God's Word that we learned perhaps once long ago in Sunday school. We do not settle for a thoughtless understanding that simply accepts what someone says that we happen to like and then go on from there. We do not settle for an occasional dip into the Bible now and then. We do not settle for an opinion or an interpretation that someone else says without our careful reflection and evaluation according to our knowledge of the whole Word of God. We worship and we learn the Word at least once a week. And in God's way, we learn it every day. We learn the Word because God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Friends, will you stand now with me and let us sing the words of faith as we join together in hymn number 459.
may be seated. We begin now a brief congregational meeting that also is fitting on this Reformation Sunday because part of what we Presbyterians believe is in the gift of representative government. We exercise that government sometimes through meetings of the whole congregation. I now call us to order, having been brought together in prayer through the singing of our final hymn. Let me ask our clerk of session if we have a quorum present. Madam Clerk, do we have a quorum present? Yes, we do. God bless you all. <laughs> we are here for exactly one stated purpose, and we are able through uh, the call of this meeting only to do this business today. We are here to elect elders and deacons and nominating committee members. In Wednesday's news and notes, there was a link to a document that shared with you the photos and names and a brief statement from each of our nominees, and so we hope that you've had an opportunity to review that. As we prepare to vote, let me note for those of who may still be online with us that we do not have an online voting option available for you. I want to introduce to you now one of the two elders who served as co-chair of this year's nominating committee, Tom Bowman, who will make the appropriate motion. Tom? Thank you, Jack. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the nominating committee, I nominate the following persons for approval from the congregation. For elder trustee, class of 2026, Tony Kaysen, Jason Karches, Jerry Taylor, and Christy Wilson. For the deacon class of 2026, Jenny Berg-Wallish, Perry Colapinto, Joan Colvin, Nancy Driscoll, Jane Heinz, Vicki Perry, Roger Von Duser, and Judy Walters. And for the class of 2024, Don Calapinto. And finally, for the nominating committee class of 2026, Tom Bowman and Leslie Connor. Are there any nominations to be made from the floor? Seeing none, I declare that nominations are now closed and we shall proceed to vote. All in favor of electing those so placed in nomination by the nominating committee, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed say no. Are there any abstentions? As moderator of this congregational meeting, I declare that those so nominated have been duly elected and you are duly then congratulated. I want to say just a word of thanks to the members of the nominating committee, elders Tom Bowman and Bob Fry, and then Leslie Connor, Michael Dyer, Fernando Landa, Robin Singer, Jason Karchis, Bill Hohen, and Julie McNeil. This concludes the business for which we were called together. I declare that this meeting is now adjourned and will be adjourned with the prayer of benediction. Will you please stand? Let me invite you today to select a word from God, perhaps just one word like faith or mercy or justice, 
or maybe a collection of words like, for God so loved the world. Think about those words this week, every day, every hour, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as he continues to mold you and shape you into the person, the beautiful person that God created you to be. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen.